it's very important that when you read your Bible, you know what you're reading. If you don't know the context, then all you're going to find as you read your Bible is slogans and catchphrases, and even those may not even mean what they appear to mean if you don't know the context. And I'm very burdened that the people of our church know their Bible. If you don't know your Bible, you're not going to have a strong faith. You're not going to withstand the storms and the trials. You're not going to. Your Bible will be what helps to sustain you. It's very essential that you know it. So how do you know what the context is of any given passage? By knowing what's going on in the place that you're reading. Do you know what's going on when you read the book of Matthew? If you don't, then how will you understand the meaning of a verse that you read in the book of Matthew? Or the book of Ezra or the book of 2 Samuel? Do you know what's going on in those places? For the next few months on Sunday mornings, I'm going to walk you through the section of the Bible called the epistles, one book at a time, and help you to understand the context of each book. The outline of the book will be on the back of your bulletin, as it is this morning. And I recommend that during the week that follows, that you use that outline to read that particular epistle. This morning, we're going to take an overview of the book of Romans. I told you that I had a longer version and a shorter version prepared. The longer version included me reading a verse from each of the 16 chapters. I'm not prepared to do that, but for sake of time, I'm not going to. You have those key verses in, on the back of your bulletin. And uh, if everyone didn't get a bulletin, we'll make those available to you later if you want that outline. But uh, you have it, and I pray that you'll use it. And there's not a section of the Bible that it is more important for you to know the context than the 21 epistles. So let's talk about Romans for a few minutes this morning, and I'm telling you, I'm going to move quickly. Paul penned the epistle of the Romans before he had ever been to Rome. It's believed that he wrote it while he was in Corinth on his third missionary journey. He wrote the book both to the Jewish and the Gentile believers in Rome to set in order the doctrines of salvation. Understand that many of Paul's epistles, maybe even most, I would have to say, he was writing to people he already knew. But in the book of Romans, some percentage, probably the majority of people that he's writing to here, he's never met. Clearly, he's met some of them. But he hasn't been to Rome yet. And so he knows that there's a good percentage of the readers that he's never met. And I think that's important to remember as you read it. He's setting in order the doctrines of salvation to both Jews and Gentiles. Listen to what men have said about it, men who have known the Lord and known the Bible. Chrysostom, who was a 4th century preacher, he had such great esteem for the book of Romans that he caused it to be read over to him twice a week. Martin Luther's two favorite Bible books were Romans and Galatians. Listen to this. May 24, 1738, after attending a church service in London, John Wesley wrote in his journal, About a quarter before nine, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. 
Well, on that night, the speaker had taught from Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. John Trapp was a 17th century theologian. He said this, The epistle of Romans is such as never can any man possibly think, speak, or write sufficiently of its worth and excellency. And a modern-day commentator went to be with the Lord just a few years ago. One of my favorites, a man named John Phillips, said, Paul's epistle to the Romans is Paul's theological masterpiece and one of the most important documents in the history of the world. I encourage you to follow along in the back of your bulletin as I walk you through the book of Romans. The book of Romans, the theme is, the gospel is the power of God. The reason we have dynamite up there is because the word power there is from the Greek word dunamis, which you can probably figure out is where we get our word dynamite. The gospel is the dynamite of God. That's the theme of the book of Romans. The key verse of the book is chapter 1, verse 16. Now, a theme is just a summary in a sentence, just so you know what the book is about. The key verse is a verse that sort of takes the whole message and puts it in a nutshell. And so here's the key verse of the book, chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now, I believe it's helpful for you to take every book of the Bible in your own personal study, and it, it wouldn't hurt for you to consult Bible commentators and see what their thoughts are on this, but it would be helpful for you to take every book of the Bible, and to write down in your own words, your own theme of that book, a key verse that summarizes and puts the message of the book in a nutshell. And then what I call a simple outline of the book. Now, it'd be great if over time you could develop a very detailed outline. But I think every book, if, if you're going to understand every book of the Bible, you ought to create a simple outline. All right? So... The, sort of a bird's eye view of the book. That'll help you understand the context of every verse that you're reading. Okay? So if you did a bird's eye view of Romans, I think this is what you'd see. Chapters 1 through 5, the power of the gospel in justification. Justification, and we've talked about it many times before, but justification is the legal process of salvation, if you will, the spiritual legal process of salvation. So chapters 1 through 5 tells us about the power of the gospel in justification. Chapters 6 through 8 talk about the power of the gospel in spiritual victory. That's overcoming our sin nature and, and spiritual opposition. The power of the gospel in spiritual victory. Chapters 9 through 11 talk about the power of the gospel and God's sovereignty. And God's sovereignty deals with his control of his eternal purpose. God has an eternal purpose for his universe, for the human race, for every one of us. And we play a part of it. Now, we play a part of it with our freedom to choose. And it's a wonderful union. God's great sovereignty and his perfect sovereignty and man's free will. And chapters 9 through 11 deal with that and how the gospel is the key to God's sovereignty. 
Then, chapters 12 through 16, the power of the gospel in daily living. And these are practical truths and principles that help you in knowing how to please the Lord in your daily life. Okay? Now, you have in front of you 16 chapters, and every chapter has a chapter title and a key verse. We're not going to go through that this morning for sake of time. You have that. If you don't have that, I'll, I'll make sure that it's provided to you in the weeks to come. I want you to know that this is an overview. It, it is to study the, by, the book of Romans in 20 minutes, crazy, crazy to even try. But I want you to have something to go on when you read the book of Romans. I know what it's like especially as a younger person, to open the Bible and have no clue of what's going on in the book where you're reading. These outlines will help you to know what is it talking about. How do I put this verse into its proper context? And it'll, it'll assist you in that. Now, just so you know, this Wednesday night, we've been studying the book of Romans for quite some time. This Wednesday night will be study number 79. And we're, we are just beginning Romans chapter 11. We will be over 100 different Bible studies by the time we get to the end of the book of Romans. So we are studying it in great detail, verse by verse, on Wednesday night. But for you in your daily Bible reading, this will help you get started. Wouldn't it be great if you could come to the place that no matter where you turn in your Bible, you have a general idea of what's going on? I told my Sunday school class this, and we're going to close up in a minute here. I told my Sunday school class this this morning. I believe, and I do a lot of reading, and the vast majority of my reading is books that, were, that are 100 years old or older. I don't, not exclusively, but mostly. And I believe from reading, I just get the sense that this is true, that, first of all, the average lost person 100 years ago, I believe, knew the Bible better than the average saved person does today. I think that's an accurate statement. I also think it may be an accurate statement, not quite as likely, but it may still be true, that the average Christian knew his Bible 100 years ago better than the average preacher does today. I'm saying in years gone by, people saved and lost knew the Bible far better than we do today. Hey, I can't change the world, but I can change me. And you can't change the world, but you can change you and the people at your house. And so dig in the Bible, get to know it, and no, we're not going to together go through each chapter. You know what? I think I can get it done in two minutes, so I'm going to give it a shot. Ready? Every chapter, Romans chapter 1, the exposition of the Bible, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Verse 17 is the key verse. Romans chapter 2, the impartiality of the gospel. God does not show preference. That's in chapter 2, verse 11. Romans chapter 3, the sufficiency of the gospel. God's grace will save all who have sinned. Key verses, verses 23 and 24. Romans chapter 4, the activation of the gospel. God's grace is applied to every man through faith. That would be verse 16 is the key verse. Chapter 5, the blessings of the gospel. The gospel brings justification, and justification bears many benefits. Verse 18. Romans chapter 6, the source of our victory. We are dead with Christ. Verse 11. Romans chapter 7, the hindrance to our victory, our sinful flesh. Verse 18 is the key verse. Romans chapter number 8, the prescription for victory. Walk in the Spirit. 
Verse number four is the key verse. Romans 9, election. God chose Israel. Verses four and five. Romans chapter 10, rejection. Israel refused God. Verse, verse number three. Romans chapter 11, restoration. God will unite believing Jews and Gentiles. Verses 25 and 26. Romans chapter 12, full surrender. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Verse number one. Romans 13, godly living. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 14. Romans 14, personal standards. Live unto the Lord. Verse number eight. Romans chapter 15, holy unity. With one mind and one mouth, glorify God. Verse number six. And Romans chapter 16, church relationships. Embrace the faithful, avoid the dividers. Verses 16 and 17. I did it in two minutes. You're welcome. Here's what I want to give you before we leave. Five things I want you to take home with you. Not five points. They're going to go quickly. We'll be done. Five things I hope you'll take away today from the book of Romans. First of all, God's sacrificial love. Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's sacrificial love. The second thing that I hope you will take away and investigate on your own is God's daily victory. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Newness of life, the very definition of victorious Christian living. Listen, if you don't understand victory yet, if you don't understand newness of life, don't give up on it. God has it for you. It's not a, we want everything just to be a, an on-off switch, and God switches it on, then we don't have to do anything. It's not an on-off switch. It's something that you have to access every single day. And I can explain it to you all day long how to access the victory, but you've got to pursue it for yourself. God's daily victory, Romans 6, 4. Third thing I want you to take away and examine for yourself, study for yourself in Romans God's indwelling spirit. Romans 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. This deserves pondering every single day. God lives in you through his spirit. God is not a million miles away. God is not 10 miles away. He lives in you through his spirit. But what role does he play in your life? Have you and I so stifled him that he has no influence and no impact in our day-to-day -day lives? Or do we access, do we yield to the spirit of God? Do we keep our hearts clean so that he can manifest his fruit, his love, joy, peace in our lives? God's indwelling spirit. Fourth thing I want you to take home and examine for yourself from Romans is God's eternal purpose. Romans 8, verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's eternal purpose is to take as many people as will be 
as will choose him. This verse says, as many as he foreknew. What is it that he foreknows about us? Only God really knows that. But the text implies that we're to be conformed to the image of his son. So maybe the thing that he knows about us is that the circumstances of our life, including who is praying for us and who is influencing us, maybe the thing that he foreknows about us is how the circumstances of our life cause us to be either conformable or not conformable because his great purpose is to conform us to the image of his son. His great purpose in this world is to conform as many people as will choose Christ to the image of his son. That deserves your pondering on a regular basis. Last thing we'll take home with us here, God's transforming power, verse number two of chapter 12. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. I want to be transformed. I want to be transformed. If you want to be transformed, say amen. Amen. I want to be transformed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to be transformed, it has to do with how you think. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I pray that every one of us today will embrace in the next six days the book of Romans. Maybe you've already got a firm handle on it. That's great. I hope you do. Or maybe you've been scared to dip your foot in the water because you didn't really know what was going on there. Well, I've given you a place to start, and I hope you'll jump in this week and let the book of Romans bless your soul. Let's stand together.